I'm Jen Cole with Backspace Media and Community Manager for Social Media Examiner. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Glau. You can find me at Elizabeth Glau. I am currently serving the International Society for Technology and Education as the Attendee Experience Manager. Hello, hello. That was my crew. I'm your host, Megan Powers, at Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. Welcome to Making a Marketer. Episode two today. I know it seems like it's taken forever to get to our second episode. Um, we're gonna we're gonna switch it up to a two times per month format, so you have that to look forward to. Our our mid show will be a shorter show, likely recorded on Facebook Live, so we'll pull the audio from that um, and try to mix it up with the types of guests and the types of topics that we have. I uh, of course want to tell you that this show can't be brought to you without our sponsor. It's hosted and produced by Convergent AV Radio, and the sponsors of Convergent AV Radio are Polycom, Rethink Collaboration, find how at polycom.com, Zoom, the number one video conferencing and web conferencing service, find out more at zoom.us, and TierPM, your AV IT solutions partner, find out more at tierpm.com. TierPM is the provider of the hot jobs on most of the AV Life shows. Um, they are all steadfast sponsors of the AV Life podcast. So I also, given this is a marketing show, we, we like to uh, mention our, our Twitter followers. So I'm going to start doing that uh, as of this show. So I won't go into too many. We have, but we really, it's been amazing. We have 376 followers. This doesn't sound like a lot, but given that we started a month ago, we're pretty excited about it. So I'm going to mention just a few here. Patrick Madison, he's at underscore Patrick Madison. Web Presence, it's at Web Presence UK. Christian Vind, I am C Vind is his handle. Andreas Hildebrand, Watches24com. And let's see, Alan R. Brinkman II, he's at Alan Brinkman. And then Jimmy Fritz, and he's at Jimmy Fritz. He got his handle like I did. Fantastic. All right, well, let's get to the guests. Um, I am super excited to once again have uh, Mr. Brian Fanzo on the show. We've had him on the AV Life a couple of times, and uh, it's always a good time. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for having me. I am pleasurely outnumbered by beautiful ladies, so I am good to go on a, <laughs> on a nice evening podcast. I'm used to recording randomly times for the day, so this is uh, going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So Brian, um, I met him. He's, of course, he's, he's well known in the social media industry, but he's, he's a jack of all trades, does, does a lot of different stuff and has a bigger, much bigger background than social media. Um, I spoke with him several times on Blab. That's how I first got kind of my intro to him. May Blab rest in peace. Um, and then I met him a couple years ago uh, live and in person at Social Media Marketing World. He's a millennial keynote speaker and change evangelist. He is killing it on live video and podcasting. He has two podcasts, uh, FOMO Fans and Smack Talk are his two shows. And then I want to introduce Jessica Phillips. She's our second guest today. Hello, Jessica. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with all you amazing rock stars. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know if you remember, but we met briefly uh, yeah. at drinks 
on the like the pre two nights before social media marketing world started last year. Um, I do. It was a couple okay. of drinks then, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time that's happened networking, right? Yeah. Uh, and she lives in Alita, Ohio. She's the founder and president of Now Marketing Group. They're advocates of relationship marketing. In their words, we help your company build relationships with your idea with your ideal audience using inbound marketing. She believes in being a magnet versus a bullhorn to truly connect with your tribe. Um, she's attended Content Marketing World this week, so will be interested to hear if any of what um, came up there gets weaved into our chat today. These two guests both pride themselves on being connectors and evangelists of relationship building that happens both online because of social media and then offline because of these online experiences, uh, something I have a, a big passion for as well. Um, so I thought that would be perfect foundation as a lead-in um, for our topic at hand today, which is building community in business. So first, I, I wanted to ask Jen, actually, Jen Cole, my, one of my co-hosts, um, She's community manager. That's her role, um, uh, one of her many roles. Um, and I wanted to see if she could just share a little bit about her role as community manager, which is, you know, I think a title, so it's, it's what we all do, but it's not a title that we all have, and it is one of her titles. So I wanted to see, um, you know, her thoughts on whether she thinks that community managing and social is shifting. Yeah, it, um, I, in my opinion, it certainly is shifting, and it's shifting literally every single day. Um, with Instagram stories being, you know, available on desktop now, and all of these things enrolling every single day, as a community manager, my job is to make sure that I am able to develop a community where my community is and nurture those communities all the time. And so that has been something that's been a little bit of a challenge, but also very, very exciting because, um, you know, I, I like the change that happens every single day in social media marketing. I like the excitement that keeps me excited. That keeps me motivated about my job and what I do. It also helps me get to know all kinds of awesome people all over the place. So finding where they are, um, doing the research to find out who's going to be on what platform, who is more likely to use stories, who is more likely to actually be on Snapchat. Um, I've learned a lot about that because now I have an intern at my, um, at, for my company. She's in high school and I'm learning so much just from her. It is insane. That's I'm having awesome. a, it is wonderful. And so learning that perspective as you know, the user perspective hands on every single day has been fantastic. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely changing. It's <laughs> shifting all the time. And it, the key to it is just keeping up with the research and being where your community is and nurturing right. it. Right. Well, and that's how I, I got to know you is, you know, being a, a, a community manager for social media marketing world. And that was my first time doing that as like that being my, that the role rather than being the person developing content and, um, you know, and, and putting it out there. Uh, and it was really cool because it gave me, I got more engaged with the conference than I ever had before because I was in there early and getting to know people. And, and it is, it was pretty amazing how quickly people felt like they already knew you, even though you hadn't actually met in person. Um, so that was pretty exciting. But, uh, so yeah, so obviously things are shifting in terms of, of community management and um, in social in general, obviously, you know, we get everything changes every day. There's always something new. Um, but it's becoming more and more important to not just be broadcasting to your audience, but to truly build relationships with them. And of course, this can be done a number of ways. But um, 
one way I think our guests can agree on is that it's not just about more content. Um, and we've talked about this before, but about better content and about authentic interactions. And so I wanted to ask Jessica and Brian, um, Jessica, you can go first. How do you think that businesses can utilize Facebook groups in particular to accomplish good community building? Yeah, first to your point about better content, I think in regards to that, I think there's such this need for people to feel like they have to publish all the time. And I'm one that kind of takes a step back and says, you don't have to publish every hour, every two hours, just publish when you have something good to say. So don't get so caught up on how often I should publish. Um, so we tried talking to our clients about that. And with Facebook groups, especially with Facebook groups rolling out to business pages, there's a good opportunity for brands now to take advantage of groups within their company page. Um, I think this is one thing that's going to be a game changer um, for brands because now they can have private groups just to connect maybe with their most loyal customers or maybe, Jen, to your point with working with millennials, if it's just a millennial audience and you have maybe some interns that you're bringing in remote that you're just feeding questions to them and getting feedback, but it's almost this community where you can um, have a select group of like-minded people that are there for a core group or a core reason. I know all of us are probably in some kind of Facebook group and I get a ton of value and benefit of being engaged in the community in some way. So it's one on a personal level, you can find things and people that are like-minded like you and add value there or get some value um, back for yourself. But as for brands, they can use it to connect truly with their audience. Maybe it's their VIPs, maybe it's customer service um, thing that they're trying to do or pull a different community group of millennials, whatever that is. But I feel like uh, Facebook groups is one of the areas that are going to be more utilized. And I've started to see this trend already because people just want to be in a niche work with like-minded people. Um, and they're, this is a good way of separating it. For sure. And Brian, what do you think? I mean, I know some of what you think um, based on uh, some of the, what I've heard you say recently about uh, the quality of, of um, exchanges that are happening within some of these groups. Obviously, if it's a group within a business page, that's something different. And I kind of want to talk about that um, a little bit more um, in terms of how that's going to roll out. Um, and I think you might have some insight, right, Brian? Did they talk about that at, at the uh, Facebook event you just attended? Yes. <clears throat> yes, they did. So right. you know, it's, it's an interesting trend, I think, or an interesting place we're at. I think right now, I, I like to say the, the field of dreams marketing is broken, right? The idea that we used to be able to build something, we posted something on our Facebook page, we expected people would come to our, our page or that Facebook would serve them up with it. And the problem is we have to look at this and blame ourselves, right? The reason Facebook had a pullback on organic reach and a pullback on all these things is because we pushed a bunch of crappy content and we got in this space where well, if we keep pushing more and more and more, the chance we're going to get more people. And what happened was, I think if you look, especially younger generation, even more so than us is, you know, we're now inundated with content. We're inundated with conversation. We're inundated with everything. And I think the reason Facebook groups are so powerful is that it's, it gives us that opportunity. You know, there's a difference between a network and a community. And I think it's a great way to, Facebook is a network. You're connected by people by people, right? You, the only way you can connect with me is you have to know me or be, know one of my friends. So it's a, it's a person that brings you into our circle. A, a community is actually a group of people that are brought together because they have a common purpose and a common passion. Their 
Therefore, if a person leaves, the community doesn't fall apart. If a person brought you into the network and they unfollow you, you are no longer a part of that, their connected tissue. And I think Facebook is, I mean, Facebook is the, is the grill. I, I mean, in Mark, I trust. I will not bet against Mark. I bashed Facebook Live when it first rolled out. Um, I think that'll be the last time I ever say anything <laughs> that, about that side of the, the fence. But there is this element. I mean, I've talked about it for a while. I think Facebook's going to turn into three things. It's going to be, it's going to be video, it's going to be groups and it's going to be messenger and that's going to be facebook we're not the news feed has taught us one thing is that we we are we used to think we were okay with hey if we just keep blasting stuff with people you know they'll they'll kind of figure out how to either you know get around it but you know it took me 3 months of unfollowing you know not liking things to get facebook back to somewhere that i felt it was tangible but i can tell you from a uh, an interesting perspective. Facebook groups to me are my most valuable, um, you know, niche area of anything I do. I have uh, the Facebook group app on my phone, and notifications are turned on for a couple groups, not all the groups, because let's face it, a great group is only as great as their admin, um, without question. And I think to Jen's point on community management, we're still far away from what needs to happen. I, I did a podcast episode on my show. Um, the community manager needs to be in the boardroom. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that because we tell the community manager, you need to be the face of our company, the first touch point. You need to understand what we do today, where we're going tomorrow, what not to say, and what do we do when they screw up? Because we, we give that, we push them as far away from the boardroom. They screw up and we fire them, right? Because they, you know, someone posted something incorrectly. And I think that is ridiculous. And it used to be an intern and then we brought him inside and now we're starting to slowly nurture that. But I, you know, I, I talked about it before the show. My first chapter in my book is community is the future of business. And the reason I made it first chapter and it's my first book is that I believe it that strongly that it, it's the most important aspect because people, we were so inundated. I mean, the, I, I mean, I remember growing up and 90210 was my favorite show. It was on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. And yes. I was good at school. My mom and dad would let me stay up till nine and watch 90210. And, and, and everyone's nodding. So that's it, awesome. It, yeah. So I was, I was a big fan of that. I'm not afraid to, uh, no afraid to admit that. But the interesting thing is that was because content was, was determined and, and really pushed out based on someone else's decision and the consumer was kind of screwed, right? I had, a, I had to do something good. Today, that, that teenager like me, you have to take away Netflix. You have to take away on demand. We now have consumers that want that control. They say, we want to know, we choose when, where, how. You know, if I want it on my mobile device, you better you know, shrink it down to a mobile consumption. And because of that, it's exciting. But here's the thing, we have to shift the way we're doing it. And I think I love the fact that we're bringing community and starting to empower it, but it's still the furthest. I mean, it's still so far, especially if you don't have an executive level champion of community, it's super hard. And there's some great brands that are building great community, but I still think they're inhibited based on their executives that just don't understand community still. For sure. And it's, it is, I guess another way to say it's it's the customer service is that it, it's happening through these communities with four brands on the in these spaces. Hey Elizabeth, uh, I'm curious in terms of your group Facebook group experience as of late. You know, there's a couple of groups that you and I belong to, like Event Profs Mastermind, and and those that uh, have been around actually for quite a while, so probably since as soon as groups. You started one of them, didn't you? Yeah, I, I started the industry friends yeah. group when groups rolled out just as kind of a 
because I was consulting at the time. So of course I needed to figure out how they worked. So I just right. started a group. And then luckily one of my, uh, somebody, a friend on the other side, you know, the other coast added all of her friends to it. And so it became a, you know, a decently legitimate group. I, after listening to, uh, to Brian's last podcast on it though, I, I was definitely taking some notes on how I can be a better manager. Cause honestly, I've, it's, I'm not putting any, you know, focus into it. And so yeah, he had some great ideas on just how to make it more engaging. So you're that you're still the admin then of that group. So there's another group that's similar. And I'm curious because there's a, there's a few also social media masterminds groups that are out there. And mm -hmm. I wonder what makes us choose one or over the other. And, uh, and do I we, see do we people get to choose. I feel like I'm auto added well, into groups, right? Like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's fair. Let's face it. Like that, that's 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 still a limitation. I think that's still a pro. You know, Facebook. I, I know they're getting a little bit better about that. They're, they're kind of you know, and they they had that Facebook grouping community uh, summit for the first time, and but I think that's still a problem, right? Where where I think that's one of the biggest issues is that we're adding people in that don't want to be in. We're also you know the exclusivity exclusivity you know, as you scale is still important. I think sometimes we get to a, we get to a number and we forget and we just say, open the doors to everyone. Right. And I, and I will say there's some, there's a lot of groups that I participate on. There's very few that I keep notifications on. Right. You want, right. you want to know how great a group is and how good an admin is, 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 can they be, you know, cause it's one of those things that it's, it's not a dictatorship, but there is an element of you don't follow our guidelines, strike one. You don't follow my gang, goodbye, right? And I think that to me, it's, it's a hard line. And I, here's the thing. I don't admin a single group today. Um, and part of the reason is, is I want to please everybody. And I, er, I learned early on that I was going to, when Carlos Gill uh, was going to start one of the, the groups, he reached out to me. He's like, Brian, let's start it together. I said, I tell you what, I will, I will champion the group. I'll be part of the group from day one. I was like, but I have a, a personal conflict in my own, my own self that I know that, you know, these are people that I care about. And these are people, and in the, I, you need someone that has like that, that greater balance and sees the greater good. I mean, there's a couple groups out there that have amazing community managers that really get it. And then there's other groups that, kind of mail it in and it's a promotion fest, self-promotion fest that most of us just kind of tune out to. Yeah, yeah I'll, every, I'll admit nodding. it. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, is, it is, has been hard for, I, I have done a good job of keeping out the promotional, you know, post, even that is hard. It, like, it's hard to tell people like, hey, that's the, you know, this is not what this group is for. Um, where I need to get better is just, you know, continuing to make sure people are engaged and, and people think of it as the place to go get their questions answered, you know, things like that. But um, yeah, that's one good thing about business groups too, or groups for business is that you can't auto add people. You can send them an email and you can customize the email, which is perfect. Um, even better. So it's not just some random group name that maybe you were trying to be creative on and they have no idea what it is. Um, but you can put the personal message in there and you can send it to their inbox, uh, which is nice. And then they have the option to choose or not. Nice. Yeah. For these others, I know that a lot of them have the, this is your one day to promote, to self-promote. Some of them have got it down to an hour. I got invited into one, an event technology group that's based in the UK. And they decided to make the hour like four to 5 a.m. my time. I'm like, okay, well that, that group will, I mean, that part of it, I guess I just won't self-promote in that group because there's not, I'm not ever going to wake up to do that within that window. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I know, right? And I, I gave my two cents and uh, it wasn't adopted. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, and okay. So back to Brian, was there any chat about uh, at that event that you attended about 
charging for these groups? I mean, obviously they have to monetize it, right? Everything's going to end up getting monetized. So was there any talk about that? No, I don't think they're going to monetize that direction. I think, I think Mark is real. I mean, if you saw his passion on that stage for these groups that were started for, you know, abused kids or, you know, uh, supporting a charity or, you know, these, I, I think there's an element now where I think the, we finally have the tools. Like I don't blame any Facebook group admin for feeling like they, they lost engagement value. You know, that's part of the reason why Slack picked up and, and Facebook groups were dropping off for a little while. And it's the reason LinkedIn groups are horrible. Uh, in my personal opinion, is because yeah. you have to give the tool them the tools to not only tools to like customize the email, like Jessica said, and like you can see how passionate Jessica was. Like, thank you. Like, I don't want to do the LinkedIn thing where I, you know, I invite everybody and says, you know, you were, per you know, you want to personalize it because it is a group you want someone to feel value coming in. Because if they don't feel value coming in, why would they ever either respect your guidelines of your community or provide value in the community? And I think. That's why Slack took off. Slack gave you the tools. You had reporting. You could tell you how many times the person even logged into the app. And I think as Facebook gives us tools, I think what we're going to start to see, and the reason I said that idea of like the newsfeed going away, is that the advertising and really the, the ability to bring in branded type content within the Facebook interface when someone's in a group, that's where they're going to monetize, right? So if you, you want a group, I think that's where we're going to see it, which is great because, you know, let's face it, we're... We're tired of disrupting our experience with ads, ads that are part of the experience or that are, that are kind of brought in that way, I believe are, are where we're going to move forward. But I also think you're going to start to see a little bit, you know, I like the idea we're able to kind of link groups together. I think this is a, this is a, one of those things yeah. that's important, right? Because it's also important to make sure that people are in the right groups. I, there's a lot of people that I will, I will tell them that like, I hate Facebook groups. And I'm like, yeah. no, you just, you've either been in really bad ones or you haven't found the right one, right? I'm in, I'm in a speaking one that it's, I can, I can probably, uh, I'd say 40, 40,000 to $60,000 of revenue directly related to one Facebook group that has about 200 and some people in it. It's very exclusive. You have to be invited by someone. You have to be, there's two people that go over everyone that comes in. And that group, I mean, I have every notification, every post that goes on that group is I get a push notification on my phone. And I can tell you, there's only, I, actually, other than if you send me a text message, there's no other app that is actually giving me that much kind of, uh, you know, but it's that much value. But the, the admin is amazing. I mean, no holds barred to get in the group, the level of respect. And it's also something to be said, uh, you know, when, Megan, when you think about that, we, always, we have to have a promotion, self-promotion aspect of our group because that's where we're at in social media. That gives me a little bit of like the, I don't know, the heebie-jeebies a little bit because I, I feel like we self-promote ourselves everywhere. It's kind of like part of our world. It's, you know, I know it's what we do. I, I'm not a huge fan of self-promotion in groups, um, period, right? And I will tell you, I, I personally, if I feel that the group is going to get massive value, I have a, a network of people that I reach out and say, hey, if you think this is valuable, any chance you could throw it in that group because I think it's going to be valuable. And, you know, and, and that's where I go with it. But gotcha. it's an interesting space where we're at because I do believe there's massive value for self-promotion, but it's an, it, it's an interesting state in the social, especially the social media manager world, community right. world we're in, is that it's with, that's a proof right there that we have too much content, we have too much noise, when even us who are on social media every day, all day, still feel the need to self-promote. Right. Well, and I, and I guess I should define, it depends on how you look at self-promotion, right? Like for me, it would be just like, I... I wrote this blog. Would, what do you guys think about it? I, I, my intention would never be to go on there and be like, hey, who wants to buy my services? But I could tell Jessica was like, she was like nodding fiercely while Brian was talking. And I, I you want something yeah. to say. Yeah, go. Oh my God, I get a 
excited about this. Yeah, I'm like on the edge of my seat because I want to just like go in because I get excited about it. So yeah, so much for groups. Uh, on the in the question about monetization, however, I don't think Facebook's going to charge for it, but I definitely think they're going to make money off of it because it's said right now that they're running out of ad space that they have like less than 10% of the world that is actually using Facebook ads right now. So of course they're going to use. You know, I think they're going to promote groups more. The notifications that are instant, people see that there's tons of value. Like Brian was saying about this is the community. This is what businesses have been looking for and the brands that we've been using Facebook groups for are getting 45% 60% engagement in these groups because of that element because you're bringing in the right people So I definitely think that they're going to definitely have ads in there at some point I don't think they're gonna start with it. They never do they let us get comfortable and addicted to it And then they introduce it like by the way you know, here's an ad. But I don't think we'll mind as much because it's content that we want to see. So I don't think that that's really definitely going to be an issue. We all get, we're getting Facebook for free and we're getting a ton of value from it. So I don't think we're going to mind as much. But in Brian's point too about getting into the groups and exclusivity, that's another thing that I'm like a huge proponent of for the business um, groups is that you can put um, questions before they get in. You can actually build your own form. They have it built in there. So you can ask the questions up front and say, hey, we want, there's a group for everybody, but if you are, can answer yes or whatever to these questions or tell me why or how you're going to add value, then this means that now we'll take your application into consideration or we want you to know what, what you can expect in this group because we want participating members. So I think that that's another key element to it as well. Um, and the things that they have in there for community managers to be active so you can go in as yourself as a community manager so they can get to know the core people in the, in the group that are managing it um, with the, their photos and bios, but then now you can also go live in a group with your, your logo and your, your brand name. Um, so there's an opportunity there. I still think they have to pull back on the promotion. I don't think you need to put the soft calls to action um, in there that you normally would in Facebook posts. I think that that's, if people like your content enough, they're going to go find out where they can get more of it from you. They're going to get addicted to your helping them. But um, a way that you can use this in a way that, um, actually, I just did this in the H2H group, is I asked Brian and Courtney, they manage this H2H group, and I said, hey, do you mind if I pull the members for them to give me their best tip on relationship building? I let all of them give me a one line uh, tweetable tip and then I took it and I collaborated it to a slide share, a video and a blog post and then I shared it with all of them. Of course, all of them shared it and because all of them shared it, then LinkedIn picked it up and just featured it in their blog. So now it's a way for all of us to win. So I think the way that we can think about promotion is not really promotion, it's lifting all of us together up um, and since we're all like-minded, we're willing to participate and, and we can all win that way. Awesome. Yeah. Well. Very well said. What do you, is the, what else other than this? Are, well, first let me ask, are you recommending this to your clients? Absolutely. They create groups. Yes. Okay. When they're ready, like they have to participate though. So even though we're managing their social for them on the most, in, in the majority, I say, this is not something I can 100% do for you. You have to be committed to being in this too, because this, this is a, uh, intimate level of you that you need to be there for your fans and for your community because if they're asking you intimate questions or telling you about their mom you know or whatever and and you are meeting with them on a day-to-day -day basis that's not something I can fake so you need to be in there with us and so they have to say that they're committed to it as well but we're using it and I'm showing them some of the other groups that are getting this engagement because people feel comfortable they're in the community of, of others that are like-minded um, to them and not just with their with their um, 
clients in their community, but I have one for their team members. So I'm having the team members get in there in this group because more and more, a lot of these teams are, are separated, right? So now it's like, hey, you know, here's what we're going to be sharing this week. And, and the people that aren't on the marketing team are still on the marketing team because they know what we're, we're doing and they can be involved and they feel like they have more say. And we've seen them now start dropping links in like, hey, this would be cool on our social page. So it just depends what your goals are and how you're using or want to use the group, but we are highly recommending, you know, creative ways that brands can use it and, and want them to be active in it. Hey, Jen, what, uh, are you doing, are you doing any of this with your clients? Are you recommending groups for your clients? Yeah, I actually am starting to, I started to test it, um, for myself recently to, and brought in some of my clients so they can kind of see how it works and then get warmed up to it and, and, you know, it, it really does tie you in and it ties the, the members of the group back to you. Um, we're having like all kinds of cool conversations. I think you're part of the group, actually, the one yeah. that I launched. It's a test kind of thing so that I can show them how it works. And it's really interesting. I think it's finally starting to pick up and, um, and the clients are starting to see the value in the... I mean, it's not as intimate really as Facebook Live where you're like answering questions right off the cuff right then and there, but it's still real-time interaction. Yes, I'll get to your conversation, you know, when I have time and it's still talking directly to the people that are tied directly to your service or product. It's very powerful and they're starting to see the value of that. And I think um, I already know one that has her own group and it's crazy awesome. So very valuable. Right. Elizabeth? So what, what do any of you, anybody can jump in on this, what do you recommend then um, as far as contributing to these communities as a person or as, your, as a brand? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of different cases, but do you skew one way or the other generally? Both. I've done both. So um, myself or one of the team members, we've, do, we've gone um, and communicated as ourselves. Um, but then we also communicated as the company when it's like, hey, our team is doing X, you know, or hey, we're pulling you because we want to do this. Um, and then we've also even looked at some social media advocates within the the team itself and said, Hey, we'd like you to be part of this community management team. Now there's always a hierarchy, right? But we want, we, we give them this role and we found that they're actually really super engaged in it as well. You know, that's the thing about, I think the crazy thing about social media is we've often forgot the word social out of the social media. And, uh, and sadly that's where, you know, I love Jen brought up Facebook live. And I think Facebook live is scary for so many because you can't outsource it. You can't mail it in. You can't fake it. You have to be willing to say you don't know. And guess what? That's humans. That's like our lives. That's what we want. Like I want a brand that is willing to say, I don't know something. Willing to say, we tried this out. We're still figuring out. I'm going to support that brand. That's how I look at Facebook Live. And I know it's scary, right? And so Facebook groups is a very, you know, it's a step in that same direction. And I think there can be some, you know, I've always believed in automation and scheduling. Uh, but there's a point to automating and scheduling so that you have more time to personally engage, right? And I think that's where this goes. And answer the question on the, the brand versus the, uh, the person. I think this is an interesting, we're in an interesting space today when we look at that because nobody trusts a logo. 
you know, even as great as a logo is, even as great as a logo, and I will, I'll use Jessica, for example. I've known from Jessica's company as it's growing. You know, for, for early on, I thought it was just Jessica, right? And I, and I always associated. So for me, I trust that logo because of the people that are making up that great company. And I think when you, re when you recognize that, you can own it. But there's also an element of if you haven't been using Facebook that way personally, there, it's, a, it's just as much work there as there is growing a Facebook page and doing it from the Facebook page side. So I think there's, it's not like an end all be all, but I think there's, there is an element. I mean, there's, there's proof now with Twitter more so than anywhere else where, you know, you have executives and leaders. I mean, John Legere from T-Mobile always jumps to my mind because, you know, he, he, he makes it a purpose that all of his executives are, are their own person, but they also, you know, when they're, when, they're, when they're doing a press release, their executives take their own terms of that and do a video release of that, right? It's coming from an executive out of their personal accounts, right? It's, yes, it's going to come out of T-Mobile, but I will argue with anyone any day that if you are able to humanize your brand by leveraging the personalized side of it, you are gonna, you're gonna see the success. And yes, it's still important, I'm not saying not to have a Facebook page or not to use your Facebook, that piece, but if you wanna get me there, you wanna get me to subscribe to your, and follow your page, connect with me from a human level first. I will then find your page, I will then follow it, and now we're going down that cycle of that, you know, that buyer's journey that is kind of living today. And then, so kind of related to that then, do you think it's better for the, your client to actually own, start and own their own community? Or do you ever recommend that they try to get involved in existing communities and then just re represent themselves and their brands maybe in other communities? I will say no one knows what your audience wants until you go and listen to your audience first. I always say the first, you know, the three most important aspects are listening, engaging, and listening, right? I use listening twice for a reason. And I think you can go, you know, that's where I use the field of marketing. The field of dreams marketing is broken. We must go to where our audience is and have those conversations. And there's plenty of groups that are out there. And I think one of the things that, and this is something that, that I've had clients come to me and struggle is they, they don't start their own group. They go and find all of these other groups and they say, Brian, there's already all these groups out there to do that. I'm not going to start my own. And I actually think that's the wrong way of looking at it, right? There might be groups that have similar people or even groups with the same like name. But what success looks like for you, what, what is your goal for achieving with this group? And if it's just to have a Facebook group so that people get notifications, it's never going to be successful. I think one of the things for me is, you know, if you find a way to solve someone's problem, let them know that you care about them or ultimately bring them together with people that they would normally have not known. That's a Facebook group right there. I mean, I, and, and sometimes it can be just a local group. I love what Jen's doing, right? Do a little test bed. And then all of a sudden that's going to, you know, spur into another one. I mean, my, my, I have one that was like uh, just a bunch of friends that we were all trying to launch podcasts together. And now it's a Facebook group that we all use for conversations daily. I mean, Jen and I have one uh, that we are in from, uh, from social media marketing world. That was a, a kind of a, a running joke that we were just going to throw each other in a, in a group. And we still communicate on that on a regular basis today. And I think that's the key. I, I, and I, that's why I firmly believe you go and listen to your audience first and then kind of decide what's best for the next step. I agree with you there. Like one of our clients, um, they're, they just started a running group within their community. So they do um, their doctor's office, a holistic doctor's office where they do chiropractic care and all that. And instead of trying to create their own thing, like, you know, they, they just went, listened, like you said, went and participated in other groups and then realized that there was a need for just a running community in their hometown. So they started a running page for their hometown, letting people know where the the, the runs were providing care and tips there um, and 
brought together this super connected community right there. And that's one of their groups that they're starting in and, and building up that community there. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be identical to your brand. It could just be something that's aligned, right? And that you're passionate about and that you could add value to, just like you said. It I mean, doesn't have to be. That's amazing, right? I think that, that has to be reiterated. I mean, the fact that our doctor's office or doctor is doing a running group, right? Like that's not, that's not swim lane, right? Like that's not, when, the, when you go into a doctor's office, you're not thinking like, these are the people that I, but this is an element of, okay, if I'm in a, I'm bringing runners together, runners, you know, this is that whole piece of people buy from people they relate to and people that are, feel like you care about them, they will advocate for your company. I've always believed that if you help me solve a problem, you bring me together in a running group. Whenever my friend says, hey, do you have a doctor's office that you want to? Oh, of course. And they actually happen yeah. to admin my running group. Like they care so much about our community that it's not, you know, because I mean, let's face it, we have plenty of those groups that are like, you know, and social media marketers are really bad at this. Like, I mean, the amount of groups that are all like social media managers, social media masterminders, social media, because we kind of forget that we should have a life outside of managing all these crazy <laughs> channels that we do. But I mean, I love that. Like, to me, that is the essence. That is the essence. Uh, and that's, that's content as well, right? Every brand, when they tell me, and I do a lot with live video and they say, Brian, I have no idea what to talk about on live video. We do, we have a blog, we do lots of things. And I always say, Let's use the back of your phone, which has a camera on it as well, which means it's not you because we're tired of hearing from you, the brand. And let's highlight your customers. Let's hear what your customers are saying. And then when we get 10 customers interviewed, what's the most common thing that those 10 customers talked about? Now we have a, a central theme and let's go forward there, right? And that's, I mean, what a great example, Jessica, because that's where we have to start focusing our energy on because yeah. if it was just another doctor's group, I mean, talking about a group that would not have that same value to a community like a group like runners do. That honestly was the whole topics too on at content marketing world. There was a huge emphasis on video. It's predicted that 80% um, of the web traffic in 2020 is going to be video content and that we all have to stop uh, thinking about producing content that's written maybe start thinking more like a production company like Amazon is like Facebook is like Coca-Cola actually started. Red Bull, you know, so many brands are starting and becoming a production company, meaning that they're creating content that is aligned too. So, I mean, it's, it's, this is what it's about. It's finding your voice, keeping your tone, but then finding like-minded passions that you can kind of, uh, you know, go along with it and, and seeing how you can use video in the process. I knew it was going to be smart to have you two on this show. Yeah, we, we get along really well. Every time I have any conversation, it's, it's 100% a lie. We, we get along well. We're, we, I, I believe we're, we're, we're trying our best to uh, you know, rise, all, rise all ships around us, that's for sure. Yeah, I could tell. So I, I kind of want to um, segue a little bit from brands to associations. Elizabeth and, and I work, worked quite a bit in the association space, and she currently works for an association. So um, I think she had some some chat she wanted to have with you guys about that on on the community side yes i'd, I'd like to have a, a, a very long chat with you guys about this but we'll try to keep it to you know just a few questions for the purpose of of today's conversations but i mean the way i i or conversation the way i look at associations is you know kind of like they were the original communities right those you know that was the place where i went to build my network and, and learn things um you know pre-social media pre everything being digital now um, you had said something earlier, Brian, about, you know, getting business from a Facebook group that you belong to. And I'm just like, that is exactly what, you know, what the, what the struggle is. The struggle is real, right? So the struggle is that, you know, our association is going to remain relevant, 
beyond the face-to-face -face interactions they provide. So I, I, no one's going to disagree with the fact that associations a lot of times, you know, with the, whether it's an annual conference or things like that, are, are bringing people together face-to-face. -face. And that is, you know, most of the value that, that they provide. Do you guys have any, any philosophical thoughts on associations and staying relevant in this space where brands are starting to build their own communities, you know, and kind of taking that piece over from them? Yeah, I would go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I feel like you know, this is an interesting. You know, there's an element where you know, I, I like to say, you know, I, I have three daughters. I believe my daughters are growing up in the greatest time in the world because you're able to connect with people around the world that that your resume isn't required, where you live doesn't matter, it, what color skin you are, what your you know what your sexual orientation is. You're able to connect with people, and if you find people that like underwater basket weaving and you like underwater basket weaving, you will connect thanks to digital media, and that was never the case. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I still have relatives that have left the state once. And their entire sphere of knowledge is limited for about a 20 mile radius of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My daughters have Skyped with my friends' kids in Australia. Right? Like, so let's, let's just wrap our minds around this change. And the reason I bring that up into the association conversation is I think associations, there is an exclusive element, right? There also is an element of you're, you're going to bring the right people together. Um, and the, here's the here's the hardest part at the right time and it's not online versus offline I believe all associations have looked at and I think I, I'm I've a big I'm a big supporter of social media marketing world and what they've done to to create an event and community 365 right yes social media marketing world the event in San Diego is when we what we all talk about and it's what we're there you know, at but there is you know there is an active community that they have that's a paid uh, association that I'm a part of that I've done some guest things with they have their blog that goes up they are you know they they do a weekly show uh, Mike has a podcast as well and all of these things are about connecting the it's it's a hybrid I call it living right it's not online versus offline it's living and I think with, with associations today unfortunately I got pitched for an association and I turned them down and they were very disappointed I turned them down so they you know asked me and I gave them three and a half pages of reasons and it wasn't like I was complaining but I said this is what you said I, you're gonna give me and this is what I already have via social via digital via my connective tissue and I said I know I'm a little bit different I'm where I'm where I'm playing and the interesting thing was they were like okay we're gonna bring you in free and we're gonna want you to bring you know bring your voice and Three months later, they were asking me to leave because my voice was a little bit disruptive in the sense where they kept telling me, well, don't worry, you're, you're paying your dues, you're, being a, you're part of this to get something out offline. And I said, you know, like, well, if you have a conversation with me online, my, my conversation with you when we meet offline is three times richer, four times richer. And I, I so strongly believe that. And so I look at associations, I think they're still powerful. I don't think they're, they don't think they're going anywhere, but I think just like, uh, we, I, we could probably wrap them around the, the learning and development community, right? Learning and development got blindsided by YouTube. YouTube all of a sudden came out of nowhere and everyone can learn anything on YouTube. And I replaced, I'm not a car guy, I replaced a power steering pump simply putting a YouTube, put my, I put my laptop on the hood of my car and I replaced the power steering pump because I watched YouTube. And what learning development forgot was that you want people that understand who you are and they understand what matters to you, right? Part of, I think part of an association has to really focus on that. I understand you. I understand what you're about. And I'm not only going to bring that to you, but I'm going to allow you to kind of help grow that. And I think if, it, if an association is still looked at as 
I think that many to many relationship where it's not as um, I would say fluid to make decisions. Even Megan, you saying the Facebook group didn't take your um, advice. I think a Facebook group's a little bit different than an association, right? I think association is, is usually run more less of a dictatorship than uh, than a you know a Facebook group should because of this kind of gateway and exclusivity. And I will tell you, um, they came back to me. I, I went back in that that association and it came up to my one year and I asked them no longer to participate. And unfortunately I think it will actually gain me business if I stayed a part of that association, but I'm, I'm going to hold strong and, and until they're willing to listen to figure out what they can provide before, because just because everybody in my, my job or role has been in that association prior to me is not a sales pitch, right? Like, that, like just, be, and actually that's, that actually recalling, for me, it actually wants me to, because I like to zig when everybody's zagging, right? If everybody's in an association, I'm not going to be an associate. Everyone's doing, you know, a regular podcast. I'm going to do a live video podcast. And I think there is an element where, hey, look at associations. Let's, let's do that. Like, let's look at, like, meetups. And let's look at all of these little things and say, how do we make all of this better? And I think that the last part I'll say is the association has to, when they're talking about their value, have to focus on why the person should care and how it's going to impact them not what you do. And I think most associations that pitch me, even, even speaker agencies as a, as a speaker, they pitch me with what? And I'm like, I'm sorry, like, you don't give me why, they, why this will make my life easier, why this is, this is something that I want to invest my time in, or why I want to give up part of my revenue that you're going to do that. Like, I think that's part of the gap. And I, I think you don't have to be afraid. Part of the reason I've been doing a lot of research with the millennial side, a lot of associations, in my opinion, are, are stuck in that same way where a lot of businesses, especially regulated industries, well, they'll say, well, I don't want to alienate the, the older demographic by, by kind of doing it this new way. And here's the funny part. If you do it in a way that isn't all at once, right? It's not, it's not, not just hit the lever and all of a sudden eject everything we've done, right? Baby steps, but also the how and the why, I will say that everybody, we're all human, right? It's just, it's just a matter of making it all work. And I, I, I'm excited to see where associations go. I'm excited to see where learning and development grow, goes. I, I'm speaking at six learning development conferences in 2018. And most of that is because I'm going to be the person on stage that is telling a majority of them they must disrupt what they're doing today or they will no longer be relative in the future. And that's, I mean, big education's that way, right? I mean, Microsoft's doing, Bill Gates is doing that for colleges and universities, but I think associations can kind of learn from what learning development groups are doing as well. Jessica, go. <laughs> yeah. So to your point though, okay, so I wish everybody could see this on the podcast, but maybe I'll tweet out the picture after, but this is what community does. So this was me um, just a few hours before our, our call here and where, who I'm meeting. And it represents four different countries and all of us coming together for dinner and meeting in real life. But we connected online first and not all of us knew each other, but we were drawn together and had so much in common because like, I feel like what you're putting out online, you're going to attract those people and you're going to connect in real life. Whether associations, I think you can do it organically. Yes. I do think that there is power in associations, but uh, there has to be a huge change in order for them to continue succeeding because their ways of thinking are very outdated 
created. I feel like if you're going to do association, you have to bring it to a next level because I think um, some of the associations, they give you just enough, but not that core ingredient. And that's why YouTube and some of the other things that Brian, you were mentioning are so popular because there's no secrets. If somebody's going to hold back a little bit, this YouTube, this next guy on YouTube that nobody knows is going to go all the way and bring it home. And now you're a fan of theirs forever. And then you're going to bring the rest of your people to that. So I feel like the like-minded people are going to connect together. You can form some kind of association, but it has to change up what you're going to be giving one another and why somebody's going to want to pay or join it or say that they're a part of it. It's kind of like my example of associations is the Better Business Bureau. I mean, I think they've ruined it for everybody. Um, I mean, no offense to them, but I just <laughs> don't think people take it serious anymore, you know, because it's out there and it's, it's had no value for so long um, because now we have reviews and other things and other channels and ways of getting that information. So that's just a, an example of that. Yeah. So I did my master's thesis on um, online versus face-to-face -face communication within the context of trade shows. So I did it trade shows. I wanted to do meetings and events in general, uh, but it was that? too broad. What's that? that? I want to read that. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. But I also I get to talk on it. Um, I'm, I'm talking at IMAX America in, in October. I get 30 whole minutes to break down six months of research and, and work. But um, but it's interesting because, yeah, that it's been, a it's been a while since I did that, but I've only had one other small opportunity to sort of share those results. But it's, you know, spoiler alert, the, it's a combination of the two. It's not one or the other. So, um, so and that is, that's what came out of it. And what also came out of it was that how, uh, how poor communication is between executives and their subordinates. And they, they think different things about the same scenarios and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll send you the, the link. It's, it's a good read, good hundred pages. Now. It's, it's 103 <laughs> pages, but a lot of it's like, you know, the survey itself and all that kind of good I stuff. I love it. I and love she it. made it I, so entertaining too. <laughs> but I think part of that, this is such a, this to me is like, I mean, probably my, you know, I, I talk about live video, right? And I say every event should have live streaming. And the first thing they say is, Brian, well, we, we sell a digital ticket or we're afraid that then people aren't going to come offline. And I say, well, then your event sucks. You know, and they're like, what? And I'm like, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leverage live video. I'm going to connect them into things that they can't get anywhere else. I'm going to bring them these conversations. I'm going to allow them to be a part of it because let's face it. I mean, I'm a speaker. I get my main source of income is speaking. Unfortunately, I also know the best value at events is the networking, the hallways, standing in line to the bathroom, you know, sometimes even checking into the airport and, or into the hotel. And I think what, what, you're, what we're missing is, is we're missing this, this concept of, I know that I can, I can provide an experience that is exclusive and still give people access into it, right? Exclusive does not mean boxed off, nobody can see it, we don't know what goes on because the funny part is when someone says, everyone in this room can live tweet and take pictures, yet you can't send a live video. I mean, if someone's gonna watch, if someone's gonna watch an hour and 15 minute video of, of keynote session, they're gonna spend an hour and 15 minutes on Twitter looking at your Twitter feed, reading the same exact things, right? And I think the, the funny part about that is, why not add video and then allow people to have conversations and then guess what? As soon as they feel like their voice is heard, they're gonna ask you, when do next year's ticket sales go on? And that's the goal, right? I think this is- You gotta get a disconnect. Well, in that, in that arena. And that's why I said I wanted to read that because I think this is, as much as I love digital, I mean, I'm the guy that has, I have five phones. I mean, I, I'm, I'm as, as connected as, as humanly possible. But to me, I, everything that I do in a digital realm is to make what, what I am connecting with people richer, right? There is no, there is no, no value in doing any of this in this digital space is if, if A, I have to be someone I'm not when I meet you, which let's face it, there's a lot of people that the reason that they, they are stuck in their ways is because, 
they suck offline and they've created something that, that is a little bit different online and they're so afraid of being exposed of who they are offline that they've kind of kept this two like you know worlds um but guess what for them that's changing and and either stop sucking or you know figure out how to change you know as who you are and <laughs> with as much love as possible but i i love that digital will truly allow us to highlight the good people that when we connect with people, things are better. I mean, I, and social media marketing was a great example. Uh, I keep using that one, but even content, I haven't been to content marketing world yet, but I, I've, yeah. I've said I, I have to go to it. But you know, for me, going to an event and, and being connected with someone year round and going to that event, it is not icebreaker conversation. It is not, it is, it is extending things. I always, I mean, my tagline is, it's hugs and selfies, right? Instead of a handshake, I give you a hug and, I, and, and we take pictures together, right? And I think that is an essence that we can't underestimate. For sure. Hey, and so this kind of leads into um, the, just the last thing we wanted to talk about. Um, and Jen wanted to, to hit, hit the millennial mindset head on. Yeah, that's right. And this, the, that was a great segue. So um, as a marketer, um, a social media marketer even, um, there's a barrier a lot of the time with, well, for me, with clients that are so stuck in traditional marketing that they won't even, they won't even update their website. Um, there are things that are just, you know, so second nature to the people that are used to digital marketing that, you know, the ways of social media marketing, the, you know, embracing, developing and nurturing a community you know, to build trust for your fans and for your potential clients and for everybody. But there's a barrier there with the traditional marketers and then I guess, you know, the millennials. And um, so I wanted to know how you address that head on. How do you um, approach that and smooth that out with the people that are so, so hardly stiff arming um, any kind of digital growth at all? So, you know, I'll jump in there. I love your Jessica's thoughts because a lot of Jessica's clients and things that she's doing are, are things that I, I love to highlight, right? I think that's where we're going. For me, this is, a simple, this is a simple shift in how you address them, right? What you need to do is when you're listening to why they love these old school digital, the, the old school non-digital marketing solutions, listen to why they like them. What are they accomplishing, right? What are they accomplishing? And then, because and then, they're saying, I'm able to be successful with radio advertising. I'm able to be successful with a newspaper ad. And I say, what is success, right? And they say, well, I know everybody reads a newspaper. I'm like, really? Have you driven down a street? Like, there are usually five newspapers at the end of somebody's driveway that are still, you know, run over. And I had this argument on a radio station uh, in D.C. yesterday. But the, if you start there and you say, okay, they think that everyone's there. And then the other piece of it, they say, it's always worked. And what they're telling you is they don't believe you. And so the easiest way to solve that is ask them, you know, my, my favorite always thing is like, oh, well, who are your favorite brands? What are the things that are doing great things? Find a brand that they like, not you, they like, and show them an example of what they're doing in digital. And they're going to go, ooh, I might want to do that. And then you say, and remember, your goals were to do these things. I'm going to help you do those goals, but I'm not going to tell you what I'm using to do them. Because it is amazing when you tell, when you listen to what they care about, 
Like, let's say they care about the fact that everyone's doing it. Hey, I'm going to give you some numbers and some demographic breakdown that, you know, you think that, you know, 60% of your audience is female and 40% of them is male. I'm going to, over the next month, I'm going to use digital and I'm going to give you a report that goes even a level deeper and it's going to give you even richer data than you ever could, could have imagined. That's when the light bulb starts to go off, right? I, I always like to say, I want them to come to me with the idea that I already was pitched them. They told me no. And that's how I do it. You know, the brand will come back to me and say, you know what, Brian? Um, you're right, because you know, I hate when someone says, you know, I, I want to build you a, a Snapchat strategy. No, I, that's the wrong way of going it. I want to build you a strategy that reaches this kind of audience that cons consumes content in this kind of way that spends this much time on their device, right? And then all of a sudden, I backwards in. So that, that company that doesn't want to do a website, find a website that they like to visit, right? Maybe they don't even like to go online. Find who they care to listen to. If they read the newspaper, what are the columnists they, list, they read? Okay, now see if the columnists have a digital footprint, right? You have to go in there for me. And the reason I'm so passionate about this is I had a CEO that told me, like, literally, he shut down. He wanted to shut down an entire social business operation, my 35 employees that worked for me. He, he came in, he's like, Brian, I'm done. Social media, digital, no value. All of our business, we are B2B and we are at a million dollar uh, purchase cycle. It's an 18 month sales journey. I have no interest. And I, I started to listen to who he cared about. He listened to, he liked a, a company that we were very familiar with. He also liked Russell Branson, right? And so I started to document what Russell Branson was doing. All of a sudden in his email box was Russell Branson's uh, weekly email, a weekly video that he was doing off his phone at the time. And all of a sudden he came to me and goes, Brian, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start video blogging. And I was like, this is the guy that told me that he wanted to shell my entire digital sphere. And, and to me, that's, that's the piece, right? And I think I, I, I love millennials. I, I'm a millennial myself. But I believe part of what we do incorrectly is we attempt to force change. And then we attempt to say, well, if you're not doing this, you're going to get passed by. And most people, when they say, give me something else to worry about, give me something to change that I'm, I'm scared of, our instant reaction is no, 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 and then no again, right? We're going to stiff arm it. Even if we know we're going to be wrong eventually, we're going to say no. And I think if you're able to address their concerns and then ultimately get them down there without them even realizing it and coming back to you, it's magic. But it, I, it is an interesting journey. I'm, I'm working with a government client right now, and I can tell you, yesterday I had this pain point. So I mean, they literally, they told me they had deleted all their Twitter accounts a year ago and not to ever tell them to be on Twitter ever again. And I was like, okay. I'm going to take that as a good challenge, but what do you think? And that's about? just, that's just yeah. the power of persuasion, Brian. I think you've got, I mean, that applies to so many things, even beyond no. what we're just talking about today. That is so good. I do want to add to it. I don't want to, like you said that perfect on how, you know, to pitch it back to them. Just a couple examples too, also government. Um, but one is because I think they're trusting the numbers that they're getting. And unfortunately from traditional media, these numbers are arbitrary. Do I think traditional media still has a place? Yes, within context and how you're using it. However, these numbers that they're getting are arbitrary, like 10,000 uh, people. And I said, how are you getting these numbers? And the reason I knew this is because we were tracking it for these grant projects that we have to work on and we have to get reports from them each and every month. So we're tracking our numbers, they're tracking theirs. And every single month I got the same exact numbers every single month for this client, for newspaper, radio, television. And I'm like, you're telling me the same exact number of people viewed this, seen this every single month for the past 18 months when I'm turning this in to the, to the CDC. I'm like, there's no way. And, um, they said this is how they calculate it. They just go off a guesstimate of the one person gets a newspaper, they pass it to two people, they count that each person's subscriber three times. So I'm like 
losing my mind on this, but you can't go back and say that. Wait, one client. person gives their newspaper to two, to other, two people? other people? Like, this is how, how does that happen? This is how they came up with it. One guy in a room said this was a good idea and they've kept it for the past 15 years. Not exaggerating, not kidding. Um, and the, the billboard had more people seeing the billboard than live in our community. And I, these numbers blowing my mind. So I, you know, you can't really say this back to the client because they trust these people they, or they wouldn't have bought from them. So you don't want to come in like a person that's throwing these people under the bus. So I'm just saying, how do you know? What are you measuring? You know, a lot of times it's because they're seeing it themselves potentially, right? They're seeing, they're hearing themselves. So they, they, they like that. But I'm asking them, how are they measuring? And who are these people that are seeing it? Because we can show you who those people are and not just the new sales though, right? Like, how, what is your retention rate like? That's what I ask them. I'm like, social is so much more than sales and bringing in sales. They're, the mindset of marketing for a lot of brands is, um, especially that's buying into traditional media, is that it's sales. I'm like, no, what is your operations? What's your customer service? What's your retention? Because that is social. It's so much more than sales. So what, are you, what else are you measuring and how are you measuring that? Then let's boil that down to then how can, this can be beneficial um, and, and get them to kind of come to that conclusion on their own versus going at it and, and, like, let's, and let's face it, there's some companies that are Sears, right? Sears, there are the companies that are the leaders that are just going to say, no, 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 no. They see the, the, the train coming and they still say no. And the part of the problem is, you know, they, they trust those people, but because they've trusted them for so long, they consider themselves someone that has adopted that mindset. Therefore, if they have to change, they were wrong for 10 years, right? Exactly. And I think that's a very important piece because... I always, I mean, I, this is my, I, I say I'm a change evangelist. And it's funny. I had someone just message me, um, have a new business cards and like, you're going to take that off. And I said, no, because it usually sparks a question about change. And I always say people look at change as the result of bad decisions. And that's not correct. It's a result of good decisions and bad decisions that allow you to come to a new conclusion. And it's not that you've been doing things wrong for the last nine years, but let's face it. Customers have changed. Life has changed. How we do business has changed. How we've connect has changed. And if you, when people look at that and they say, oh, well, I wasn't wrong trusting these crazy billboard numbers that I've heard them too. Jessica kind of gives me, yeah. no, you weren't wrong. And yes, there really was another option to get tangible data there. Let's, let's approach this with a, a way to move forward in a new way. Uh, but there are people that unfortunately are just going to have to eject as clients because they're going to see the train and stand right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We could talk to you guys for like five hours for real. This has been so amazing. So I know that we, we need to wrap up and, and we, our guests need to get to their busy lives. So I, I wanted to just ask one quick, I have two questions I usually close with, but I'm going to do just one of them and I'm going to have just our guests share this week and, and not, not all of us. Uh, the latest, coolest, newest you pick tool that you're using that you would recommend. Jessica, you go first. Oh, my new favorite is Wave, Wave app. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's um, kind of like if you think of Canva, but for video. So they have stock video there that's free that you can make your own video, or you can like what we've been doing is getting all the B-roll that we usually have and try to wait to fill in for clients, uploaded it, you put the brand in there, you create videos, then we can have videos every single week they, that um, are story ready as well as social ready um, right within this tool. It's amazing. Wow. Awesome. It's a great one. I just recently discovered it and I love, uh, it's, a, it's a very fun, easy tool to use. I'm going to have to uh, check that out. What do you say, Fanzo? Flipboard is my favorite tool. You know, I think with so much content coming in, um, I don't visit anybody's website and I, I don't want to offend anybody who puts a lot of time in their website, but I consume <laughs> all of your content. 
right? And for me, what I need to do is I need to filter the noise. I want to I I know what's going on on what I care about. I don't want to go surf, you know, an RSS feed. I don't even want to go, go to your website. I don't want to turn on, I don't like, your email newsletters are bothering me because you send me too many. And Flipboard is a tool. It used to be only an app. And then they bought another app called Zite at the time. Um, but what I do every morning for about 30 minutes, and 30 minutes is usually, um, the tool actually grows with you. So what you like, what you share, what you add into your, your tool, this called Flipboard, it then starts to serve you up content that they realize, hey, if you liked content from Jessica about relationship marketing, the next time someone else posts about relationship marketing, it's going to put that in your app. And then the funny thing is, if you don't like it or you don't read it, it's going to say, ooh, well, they must have liked Jessica more than they liked the topic, right? And in and for me, it is so dialed in. I, I populate right now 15 Twitter feeds. Uh, and I populate three groups of people that we, we you create content 100% through Flipboard. And I think to me, this is, it's my way. And the nice part is there's a, it's a desktop. It's a mobile app on, on, uh, on your phone. And I do it on my iPad. And I just, it's magazine style. I flip through it. And, and it's just great because I, instead of spending hours, you know, the question, everyone always tells me, Brian, you're, you're reading all of this stuff. And how do you stay so in the know? Um, I use a tool and it's called Flipboard. It brings it to me. <laughs> And then right. I bring it out and I use, I mean, I use Buffer to schedule, but Flipboard is my favorite. I mean, They're about awesome. productivity hack. It's the best. Jessica was, it was nodding immediately. So I know she's on board there as well. Yeah. I just was I downloaded it a long time ago, but I never used it. So now I will. I'm going to have to check it out. It's great. Well, it, it requires, I'll tell you, it requires you to, to train it, right? This is the whole, and right. I, I just wrote a chapter on my, for my book on artificial intelligence and I'm a, I'm a big geek in that way. But there's, I think as we move forward, if you want your life to be more productive, if you want to customize and personalize what is interrupting your life, you have to put the investment in early. And then once you do, it's amazing. Like I love Facebook and my newsfeed, but I spent a long time unliking, not liking, liking some stuff that I didn't even really like, but I wanted to see more of their content to train Facebook to serve me up what I want. And now it does. And that, I think that's what we have to learn how to do because we're going to have more content. I mean, video, I mean, that stat, 81% of internet traffic is, is a stat from, from Cisco. By 2020 will be video. I will guarantee 3% of that's good. So somehow, somehow we have to figure out a way to filter the noise and get the right stuff. So And 99% of that will be dogs. Yes. And babies. <laughs> so thank you, Brian Fanzo and Jessica Phillips, so much for being with us this week. This was invaluable. I know that our listeners are going to get a ton out of it. Thanks to my co-hosts, Jen Cole and Elizabeth Glau. We will see you on the next episode of Making a Marketer. Have a good one. <laughs>